Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to tonight's edition of Currents. Thousands of people are tuning into these broadcasts live and in the archives. Thanks for joining us wherever you are in the world. Currents explores the subtle energies that work magic in our everyday lives. Whether or not we're aware of it, each of us lives in a world of dreams, synchronicities, intuition, and spirit communication. And if we place our attention and our intention on the information and guidance they bring, we can greatly enhance our experience here on this earth plane. I'm your host, Lucia Reed, a psychic medium and lifelong student of the metaphysical. Join us right here on blogtalkradio.com slash currents each Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, at least for the time being. We've got big changes coming, and we'll be talking about that. Or visit my website, www.luciareed.com, to listen to the archives or download to your computer or iPod. Available 24-7, always completely free of charge for an hour of empowering conversations and food for the soul. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, we will be talking with remote viewer Steve McManus about remote viewing, about his experiences with this fascinating topic, and we'll be taking your calls. If you are interested in learning more about this, if you have a question or a comment, if you have perhaps experienced this yourself and would like to share an experience, give us a call. The number here is 805 285-9705. Or if you stop by the chat room, you can put a question or a comment in there and I will certainly pass that along. So your participation is encouraged. You're definitely part of the show. And if you're enjoying this series of programs, I would appreciate it so much if you would just drop me a note and let me know what you're liking, what you would like to hear more of, and so on, on Currents. Let me know what's on your mind. Um, or if you'd just like to be added to the mailing list, I'd be happy to do that. So give us a holler at currentsinfo at yahoo.com. Again, our phone number tonight is 805-285-9705. And as I alluded to, there are big, big changes coming to Currents with the new year of 2012. And we will be talking about that um, as the time gets closer. But tonight, Let's turn our attention, as we always do at the beginning of each show, to tonight's tarot card. And tonight we are looking at the Six of Swords. Now, if you have a Rider Waite deck in front of you, great. Just pull out the Six of Swords. If you don't, and you would like to have a look at this image, go to my website. And there on the Currents Radio Show page, at the bottom of the page, I posted for you this morning the Six of Swords for you to have a look at. So you never have to spend any money to follow along and get your mini tarot lesson for the week. Okay, so we're looking at the Six of Swords. First of all, the number six. The number six is the number of service in the tarot. So not surprisingly... Um, this image immediately suggests to us that we're talking about service. And if you look at the image, you see a boat going through the water. It has a, it looks like a, the figure of a woman and a child. A man is uh, rowing the boat or has a, a staff with which he is propelling the boat. And there are swords. Now, swords typically in, in tarot represent challenges. They also represent mental energy, uh, and often they're only about mental energy, not necessarily challenges, but they do often represent challenges, and that's what we're talking about here. If you take a closer look at this image, you'll see that in the lower right-hand corner, the water looks um, turbulent, but beyond that, on the other side of the boat, it's calm, and this suggests to me that what we're looking at is someone who is helping people who are in trouble or need help, get from the troubled waters to the calm. So we're actually looking at an image that connotes service. 
exactly what the number six is all about. It's also very calm, very calm colors, the blue and the gray, and water, of course, representing the emotions in tarot. So often, this comes up around someone who is going through a difficult period but is receiving help. They may not be aware of the help that's around them. Um, or perhaps they are helping someone. Sometimes this comes up for the person who's the helper, the one who everybody calls, the one who is always there for other people and um, helps people. So if you see this image, that's uh, a likely scenario. It's a likely meaning for it. However, as always, I encourage you to find your own language of the tarot and not to depend on my interpretation or anyone's interpretation. Don't let anybody do your thinking for you ever. Um, I suggest that you print out this image and live with it for a week. Put it up where you'll see it. Put it on your computer. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your door. Put it where you'll see it. And live with it for a week until we move on to our next image and see what it says to you. Um, one trick I like to use is to imagine the image becoming life-size and then step into it and ask the, the actors in there, the, the images of the people in there, what do they have to teach you? What is the meaning of the image? And see what it says to you so that when you give a reading, you have a personal relationship with this image. It's not just something from a book or something that somebody said, but um, it has a specific meaning for you. And so when you give a reading and you see this image, you'll know what it's saying to you, which is really what it's all about. So that's our card for the week. Next week, we will be looking at the Six of Cups. All righty, so if you want to get a jump on that, you can pull out the Six of Cups and take a look at it. But again, spend some time with the Six of Swords. See what it has to say to you. Now tonight, we are talking about remote viewing, and our guest is Steve McManus. Steve hosts uh, Forbidden America right here on Blog Talk Radio, and his website is ForbiddenAmerica.com. Easy to remember. Steve is from Bangor, Maine, and he's a, a graduate of the Franklin Institute of Technology in Boston, and he has been in law enforcement. He has also worked in um, broadcasting. So he has an interesting mix of interests and abilities, a very interesting and lively mind. And I think we're going to enjoy the program tonight very much indeed. So let me bring Steve on and let me remind you that if you have any questions for Steve or comments about remote viewing, uh, our number here is 805-285-9705 or put a comment in the chat room and I'll pass it along to Steve. So let's bring him on. Hi, Steve. Are you there? Help me. I'm trapped inside this telephone. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, this is really a fascinating topic, the topic of remote viewing. It's something that, uh, you know, you hear about a lot, but I don't think there are a whole lot of people who have actually experienced this or who actually practice it. So um, why don't you... Tell our listeners a little bit, if you would, about what is exactly, what is remote viewing? Well, remote viewing, um, if, if anybody's heard of it, they've probably heard of it within a um, military-industrial context, which is um, certainly accurate, at, at least to some degree. They have, in fact, uh, adopted it and have for some time now. The military is heavily involved in this type of activity even though they now disavow it and say that they no longer have pursued it because they don't think that it bears any fruit, which is, in fact, disinformation. They're very much involved. Um, but it's more than just the type of activity that they have been pursuing. Um, there's basically two different components or two different facets of the way this can work. What they do in the military and in, on the intelligence level, by intelligence I mean the intelligence is um, they use a method where they have a strict regimented uh, number of stages that they go through. There's a strict 
uh, nomenclature that they use as to how they identify certain facets of what they're doing with their psyche, and they have what they call coordinate viewing, which is when they have a coordinate on a map, you know, so, so many degrees north, so many degrees west, and so on. And they want somebody to view a specific location and then find out what's there. It's target-based. It's very military-minded. The other aspect, which is kind of where I'm at, is um, more along the lines of what one would think of conceptually, uh, especially if you're a layperson, so to speak, um, in the psychic realm. And arguably these are two areas that are very closely linked, the psychic realm, quote-unquote, and then remote viewing. A lot of the uh, common um, elements are there. And what I do with my aspect of remote viewing is um, a lot of times it's spontaneous and sometimes I do in fact set out to find a specific thing or person or situation even, um, is that I slip into an alpha state um, almost uh, almost uh, spontaneously and then I get information that there's something going on or is about to or perhaps has, so it's it's irrespective of time. And then I can see um, the environment. It's as though I'm there. And I can see the environment of what I'm trying to to get the information from. Is it a person uh, or is it a thing or situation? And, for instance, if it's something near a lake and there's a certain type of surroundings, you know, pine trees or vegetation or a view of this particular thing, that's where I'll be. And it happens very quickly. It's not a long time sitting, staring into space where, you know, I've been still for 10 minutes and they're wondering what I'm doing. It happens, you know, sometimes in milliseconds. And I get this impression, and then I know something. It's not a matter of belief. I actually know it. And the reason I know I know it is because we can verify it later with uh, legwork and actually going and verifying the facts of a thing or a situation and writing it all down with dates and times sometimes. And then if it's something that I'm not involved with directly but happens to say come out in the news, uh, what happens is that we look at the data that comes out later and it completely corroborates my experience. So it's it's a it's a space and time. In in the occult um, realm, which I'm no stranger to, um, we have various sayings that we learn along the way, and one of them is a place that is not a place in a time that is not a time. That couldn't be more appropriate because it really has to do with not just by location where I'm sitting here, for instance, talking to you on the phone then I can end up being somewhere else as well. And you would say, oh, well, you're bilocating. You're in two places at once. It's really more than that. It's almost as though you're everywhere. And it has to do with non-local time and non-local reality and uh, actually non-time. So it really it transcends dimension because time is the fourth dimension. And this is a way of looking at that dimension in a whole new way. And as... As we get into this conversation, I can tell you more details about what's going on with the synapse between the ethereal and the actual mechanisms of, say, the brain and how those are designed to interact together and how it is that these images and experiences reach me, um, or at least how I theorize they do. People ask me all the time, well, how do you do this? I know, what's going on? And I just, I ask them, well, Describe to me what milk tastes like. And they can't do it. I said, right, you know what milk tastes like. You've, you've probably had milk. But you can't tell me what it tastes like because there's no way to describe it. Well, there you go. That's my situation. I have no idea where this comes from. I do know that it's entirely likely that everyone has this ability, but most people have it dormant within them, and it's asleep, and that's unfortunate. I think when you see more and more people wake up, as it were, that more and more people are going to realize that it isn't fantasy land and it isn't, um, you know, it isn't something for uh, the movies or for fiction. It's something that everyone actually has. And as we wake up as a 
species, which I think we're in the process of doing, I, I hope so, it appears to be the case, um, that more and more people become open to these types of impressions and I think it's all heading somewhere and so that's why I share what I'm doing because, or what I'm experiencing because I think it's important to everybody. So, mm-hmm. Well, you actually, um, with the explanation that you've given, you've raised at least three, four questions in my mind. I've been making notes while you're talking, Steve. Um, but before I ask you those questions, uh, some things I'd like you to clarify for our listeners. For example, non-locality, that's a really big topic, and that's something that we probably should talk about a little bit. Um, but before I, we do that, there's a question here in the chat room about taking calls and giving readings. I, I, I really d- didn't ask you if you're uh, planning to give readings tonight because it didn't actually didn't even occur to me. But um, is that something that you want to do tonight in the context of this conversation? I get asked this question all the time, and you as a psychic, you get asked this question all the time. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's um, with me, I don't mind um, if someone is in need of help. I don't mind trying. This is how I phrase it. I'll try to see what is, is going on. When I set out to do something, when I set out with a target in mind, or someone wants me to, you know, they they have a specific. It's kind of like when, when you're a tarot reader, um, or as the purists would say, tarot reader. <laughs> um, they ask you, do you have a specific question? Don't tell me what it is, and or do you just want a general reading? And that that's kind of a delineation right there where you start. And so, with any type of divinatory tool. Um, That tends to be where I always start. But when I go in with a target in mind, like someone wants a specific answer to a specific question, um, with my particular experience, it oftentimes is just as inaccurate as it can be accurate. For instance, um, I tend to use the phrase parlor tricks. And somebody says, well, what color am I thinking of? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm just a dude, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, very often, um, I've had more people come to me and say, you know, what you said was was amazing because, and then they tell me why it was so accurate. And I tend to stay away from the generalizations. And I, I, you know, I cringe every time I see somebody go, you know, I'm thinking of the letter L. You know, that's just a bunch of crap. That's cold <laughs> reading. It's not what I do. Um, but with regard to readings, um, my intellectual, intellectual mind tends to clutter the landscape in front of my um, ethereal sense. And so what I would be getting for impressions, I tend to try to analyze intellectually, and that kind of can lead me astray from the real, you know, what, what I'm really trying to get at. Mm-hmm. And that's something I struggle with because I am just a guy. You know, I'm just, just like you, just like them. We're all the same. There's no... Okay. You know, people need to remember that we all have, they come to someone like you or, or, or me or whoever, and they've got this, you know, violin going on in their head and the breeze blowing and the shaft of light, you know, it's not like that. It's just, we're thinking about, geez, I'd really like a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's, it's real world stuff. We're just human beings. And they're, they're waiting for that gust of wind and that, you know, that, that Hollywood moment, and it isn't like that. So <laughs> it really isn't like that. Well, I have to say, sometimes when I give a reading, um, it is like that. It is absolutely incredible. I have had some unbelievable and amazing experiences giving readings. But probably that's not going to happen in three minutes, which is you know sort of what we can have available within a, an hour long show here. Uh, we can't, you know, yeah. So what I'm going to ask is that um, if somebody does have a question for Steve, keep it to a question if you would. Um, just ask one question, and please don't make the question like, is my life on track? Um, you know, if you have a specific question, we'll see if Steve can help you out. And maybe I can put in my two cents, too. But, um, and so, okay, so the switchboard's starting to light up, having said that. Here we go. <laughs> but let me ask you this, because if you're talking about remote viewing, I'm wondering... What is the difference between remote viewing and telepathy or clairvoyance? 
How is it any different? Is um, it any different? Well, I think that there's certain mechanisms. Um, you know, I tend to refer, one of my key phrases is meat suit, meat as in stuff some people eat. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have one. We're given one when we come around through this cycle. You know, currently you're Lucia and I'm Steve, and this is the cycle we're living currently. And um, when we leave, we'll, you know, most likely be given another cycle and a new meat suit to live in another life. So currently the meat suits that we have, just like the ones we had before and the ones we'll have later, all have various mechanisms within them, and we're given them as vehicles to ride through this life. We're spiritual beings or energy beings having a physical experience in this plane, not the other way around. So that being said, um, we have mechanisms in these bodies, and it certainly is true in the brain. So what they refer to as mind is our little piece, our little holographic piece of the all, the, the over soul or the, the great mind, which is everything that is, or God, if you will. And our our synapses or interaction with our spiritual self while we're in physical form has to do with these mechanisms. And so when you say, what's the difference between telepathy and with you know clairvoyance or clairaudience for that matter, mm-hmm. um, certain mechanisms are common with remote viewing. However, um, with those other things, with telepathy, for instance, you and I can speak to one another very quickly and non-verbally. Um, giant, huge concepts can be transmitted from one person to the other in almost no time. Whereas if we were to talk about something verbally, like, for instance, on this program, it takes an hour to get through a particular subject when you and I can tele- telepathically communicate it to each other in seconds. You know, So there are mechanisms that are employed in that regard. It's different a little bit, though, with remote viewing um, and perhaps a little bit also with quote-unquote psychic sight. And you'll forgive some of the phraseology or the nomenclature because it's limiting, and I realize that. With the remote viewing, it has to do with, um, like I described earlier, it just it comes in. Uh, with me, it's almost like a non-event, and I have to pay close attention to something that otherwise I might miss. And I receive information like a conduit. For instance, um, I will write something or type something that I don't know I'm about to write. When you and I, like for instance, you work in... Um, the field of literature, you know, you, you do editing and so forth. And there are those out there listening who are, are writers either for their own sanity or because they write for a living. And they know what they're about to write. They sit down and they say, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about this character, Jane, and she's going to be in, you know, she's in this city and she's looking at this tree at sunset. They have that concept in their mind and then they write it down. Well, not like that. With remote viewing, the way it differs with telepathy, which is where you have a thought and you're going to transmit the thought, and um, with clairvoyance, where there's potentially there's a there's a um, you're you're targeting your view or your experience on something and getting the information, or it's simply being delivered to you. That's perhaps a little bit more similar to remote viewing, where I don't know what I'm about to write. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm about to say. And when I get the impression, um, I've worked with, um, I I belong to a a metaphysical group and uh, with some pretty amazing individuals. And um, it's at the Hathaway Hypnosis Center over here in in, um, New Hampshire, in Madison. And, And when I've been put into... Hypnosis. The guy was like, he's a master hypnotist, uh, Mike Hathaway, and he's like, I don't even know if I need to do this. And I'm like, why? He says, you slip in and out of trance all the time before I even start the session. I said, really? He says, yeah. <laughs> he says, you're not even with me. You're like, you are, but you're not. And I'm like, okay. And when hmm. I do that, when I slip into trance, um, which I'm not even aware that I'm doing, uh, that's when I get information that is simply given to me, unsolicited. And I have no idea what I'm about to say. And he said, it's almost like you're somebody else, which is most people can't pick up on because it seems just like you. But it really isn't you, the you that we get it when it's you, Steve. He says, when it's you, the trance guy, 
you're a different Steve. And that's when the information comes through. And I said, well, whatever that is, I don't know what it's going to be. And so it was like with um, – it's slightly different than clairvoyance where you don't know what it's going to be then either. You're simply trying to view the film or view the information with the remote viewing, at least with the version or type that I do, which is not the, mi- the military type. Um, I have no idea what that message is going to be. But the people that I've helped have all come back and said, you know, it's unbelievable. You were in the room with me. You could tell me that I didn't have shoes on and how I was sitting in the chair and what I was wearing and what I had, for, you know, in my coffee and, you know, where my computer was and what the room was to my left and what was in it. And, and I have no idea how I do it. It's just, it, and I don't know what I'm going to say before I say it. And so I guess that's how it really the, the main difference is that it, it's so spontaneous in my case. It it almost sounds like channeling. And that's what he said, too. The, the people that have worked with me, they said, you know, you're channeling somebody. And so the mm-hmm. best thing they could come up with for a name, I said, there's no name. Trust me, there's no name. And he said, well, we'll call it the companion. And as we worked more with it, um, apparently that's an, a real entity that's always been there. Always been there. And uh, it's apparently been the person that's helped me to connect with this this methodology or this, this ability that allows me to see things where I am not, which is non-local to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what I'm hearing is that it, a possibility is that remote viewing might differ from telepathy or clairvoyance by actually being more of a channeling exercise than uh, a telepathic one. So that's that's a very interesting distinction. Um, I want to come back to the question of non-locality, Steve, but we do have several callers. So um, if you'd like, let's see if they have a question or a comment about this really fascinating topic. Um, Virginia, we have an 804 area code. Virginia? Hi, 804, you're on the air. Hi, good evening. My name evening. is Hugh, and... Uh, I'm just wondering if you can pick up on anything on my general energies. I've had uh, UFO, paranormal, and near-death experiences, and if there was something in particular I might ask would be back in the early 80s, my UFO encounter, whether it was an actual UFO or a reverse-engineered ship. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that, Steve, for you? Um what I see, um, and this is where my intellect, as I mentioned before, my intellect kind of clutters into the middle there. Um, a lot of what we do see in the sky is reverse engineering. Um, it is military grade, and it's stuff that humans are piloting, either remotely or, in fact, inside the craft. But um, some of what we're seeing, to my understanding, is legitimate in terms that it is off-world, and it is something that's important to remember is that they don't travel through space. They travel through time. They cannot possibly, um, regardless of their their method of propulsion, they cannot travel those distances um, and do it logistically, uh, feasibly. It's through time. Mark Davenport covers that particular aspect of how they do it uh, quite well in his book, Visitors from Time. Um, And so... Coming through time, they can pinpoint a time space where they want to end up, and that's exactly what they do. If you've ever seen any of the video from um, Gulf Breeze, um, you will see these metallic spheres that are seen over the beach right in the middle of the daytime, right there in front of you. And all of a sudden, they they seem to disappear. And then they end up in another spot, probably a half mile away and they disappear and they they reappear in another spot you know over there now and then over there and then over there well that's what they're doing they're it almost seems as though they're dematerializing but they're moving through time they're moving from one spot to another by means of time and not by propulsion through space because that would be too uh inefficient to answer your question about your experience what I got from an, as an impression when you spoke about it was dusk, um, when the light was fading, and it has that electric hue over the horizon where the darkness is encroaching, but the light is still kind of hanging on. 
and there's that almost electric blue look to the sky and the space in between. I got that impression when you were speaking as to the time frame of the day in which you had uh, contact um, and as to whether it was off-world or human, I don't know, but that's the impression that I got was that it was at dusk. Yes, I tend to feel it was real because I had a heightened, I wasn't afraid, I sort of felt euphoric and I had a heightened awareness and the it really helped me through some heavy-duty paranormal stuff that I encountered and I'm still dealing with. What I also sensed was that you had what I refer to as the stillness, which is where you, um, if you were to see a fly and so desired to do it, you could snatch it right out of the air. Your senses were that keen at the time and that everything seemed quite still grass wasn't moving, nothing appeared to be moving, and there was almost an absence of sound from from anything, um, and that there was a moment of stillness. Um, and that's also another impression that I picked up with your experience. Now, sometimes I'm inaccurate, but that's what I'm getting for an impression. Yes. Uh, New Hampshire is always in my second home. I was wondering if uh, Lucia would be interested in learning more about some of my experiences if she writes. Because I, I don't want to write books, but I'd love to give the information just so people can see how to face their fears and deal with different things. Well, you, I'd be very interested to hear more about your experiences. Why don't One, you drop me a line at uh, Currents Info? I, I don't use email, but I, I saw your site. If I could give you a oh, call, sure. I don't know. Yeah. I believe it's wonderful because... Uh, I have some pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> sure, I'd be happy to hear 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 about your experiences. Absolutely, and uh, just to put my two cents in here, thinking about the experience that you were relating, you it seems to me you said that this helped you through a difficult time, and that suggests to me that there's a spiritual element to this. So rather than it being extraterrestrial or something like that, or um, anything of that nature, it seems to me that we're talking about something that's spiritual. I have spirituality running through my whole life, and that's mm-hmm. of what I want to document, too. It's mm-hmm. quite fascinating. Just for your listeners, and just a little tiny tidbit that might be interesting to take a look at a site of the church I was married in. If you Google the letters smwa.org, and then look at miraculous photos. They have uh, it's a church in Bayside, New York, and the, was a seer by the name of Veronica Lucan who was having visions of the Blessed Mother, Jesus, angels, and saints. And uh, to this day, whenever they have vigils, people taking pictures, there's all kinds of unusual things that appear on the photographs. Fascinating. I'm definitely going to check that out. And thank you for calling you. I appreciate your call very much. Thank you. Excellent show, and we need this kind of information out there, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you whenever it's convenient. Mm, I look forward to it, too. And thank you very much for the remote view. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. Thank you. Now, don't go away. I'm just going to, um, yeah, listen to the show. Hang on. Okay. Okay, well, um, we do have another caller, but I do want to ask you about non-locality because I do have some other questions that are pertinent to um, remote viewing. So would you like to explain for our listeners who might not be conversant with that that, uh, topic what non-locality means? Non-locality means, um, well, kind of what you just thought, what you just listened to. Um, Hmm. What you just listened to was a process within me, and like I said, it takes place within seconds. Um, and I was able to go to a space a space or a point in time in this gentleman's path and see what he was seeing at the time. He connected with me over the telephone by means of the show, and he was talking about something that happened 30 years ago, and give or take, you're talking the 80s. So something that happened 30 let's just use the number 30, 30 years ago, and he's thinking about it, he's on the telephone, I can now see basically what he's thinking about. And it happened 
then, it's happening in his mind again, and now I can view that. That is non-locality. It's not only out of time, it's out of space. It's neither. Um, what A phrase that I like to use is that um, they are events occurring in time and space, and they're viewed while in a state that is constrained by neither. That is non-locality. It doesn't matter to me when it was or who it was or what it was. It's non-local. I'm sitting here at a desk with a computer in front of me, as I suspect you are as well. Everyone Mm -hmm. else is sitting by a phone. And that's their locality. That's where they're at now in the physical plane. But non-local is where you are part of a of a consciousness that's got nothing to do with your local environment whatsoever. And there's a mechanism that allows for the non-locality to become your experience. Um, in the middle of your brain, you have something called the pineal gland, so named because it's shaped like a pine cone. It's very small. It sits at the top of the brain stem below the cerebellum, and it is uh, very important. It is, in fact, what is referred to as the third eye. And so when you get these, some people get this sensation of a a sensation or a pressure in their head, not anything painful, but they're, they're aware of it, when they have these types of experiences because of the pineal gland. And, the, and it is, um, it's, it contains cells with rods and cone structures that are designed pretty much the way the ones in the eyes are. And the interesting thing is that the eyes and the pineal gland are both connected uh, to the visual cortex in the brain. Okay, now, what they've noticed when they had a particular series of experiments, and this is speaking directly to non-locality, that they had a room which was completely dark and locked, and inside the room was a a container which was um, completely dark inside and locked, and inside of that was an item. And it could have been an alarm clock, it could have been a, a pocket watch, it doesn't matter what it was. And if there was an item, and they said to these particular remote viewers, one at a time, uh, we want you to tell us what's in that box, what's inside that container. Nobody can get in. None of these people had any knowledge whatsoever of what was in there and did not have any contact with anybody that had put the item there. So there was no way for them to know. They were in the same building. And they said, tell us what's in that room and tell us what's in that container. No lights were on, zero light, and it was light tight. No light could get in. There were instruments inside the room, and there were instruments inside the container. And by container, I mean it's probably as big as a dresser, you know, dresser bureau. And um, what they measured during the remote viewing session was that when a remote viewer would focus on what was inside of there, that there was a measurable jump in the readings of photons inside that container, as high as a count of 15,000. And then the photons disappeared. And then the remote viewer had the ability to say, well, it's this. These are my impressions. And they would either draw what they thought it was. And sometimes it's deadly accurate, like it's a a drawing of something that you can immediately tell what they're drawing. Sometimes they're simply giving their, their impressions of aspects of it. For instance, I gave... Somebody said, "What is the, uh, what is, what is, what is it that was lost? Tell us what was lost." And this particular person lost an item, and what it is is inside this envelope, and it's been sealed with duct tape, and you know. And I put it's something angular. That's, that's as much as I could pick up on. It turned out that it was it was something angular because it had a blade on it. Okay. So that's that's sometimes what you get. You don't get the actual item. You get the aspects of it. And so the photon reading shows that there was a non-local reality happening where the person is in two places. Their ability to view is in two places. It's inside that box. 
connected to their third eye in a very real way. When photons are actually appearing that allow this person to see what this is and then report back to simultaneously and instantaneously without having to travel anywhere. In other words, like the spheres over Gulf Breeze. Boom, they're gone. Boom, they reappear. Like that. It all of a sudden gave the impressions of what they had picked up as photons with an image. Uh, photons are, you know, they're light. And so they were able to illuminate this item, get the image, bring it back to this person's local brain and deliver it to the mind, which is the the piece of the all, the overmind, the oversoul. And then that person can then say, well, it's this. And they were accurate. They said exactly what was in there. So that's a good scientific explanation of what's actually happening, what's actually happening inside your brain. Yeah, and we're starting to get a handle. We're starting to get the picture, and I think this is just the start. Mm-hmm. What's the fluid inside of that gland? And it's not a very big gland. It's like the, as big as the tip of your pinky, quite literally. But the fluid inside of it is the key. And the fluid is known to contain a high amount of DMT, uh, which the letters would be like for dog, Mary Tango. Um, DMT, which is uh, dimethyltryptamine. Um, it's also known as the spirit molecule. Okay, and it the same type of stuff that allows us to be aware of things like Einstein's spooky theory where each particle has a sister particle somewhere and whatever this particle is doing is instantaneously and simultaneously uh, affecting the other particle even though they're light years apart. Non-locality. Mat- non-locality, and that was mathematically proven yeah. way back when by the by the scary hair dudes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what non-locality really is. And it's it's as fascinating to me as it is to anyone else. And do I pretend to know, you know, what's going on? Am I driving that bus? No, I'm a passenger just like everyone else. I just happen Mm -hmm. to experience the the effects of it. So I I think it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Now, Edgar Cayce called it the principle of oneness and explained non-locality in the way that we are all the same spirit. We are just different expressions of the same great spirit. And so, of course, we can read each other because we are each other. We are uh, each other. And that's a new movement. I don't know if you're aware of it. Did you see that out there yet? Um, in the uh, the social media, there's a big uh, push on by all these different people to share that sentiment exactly. Currently, mm-hmm, That's currently mm-hmm. going on. Yep. We are all one. Yeah. This is why you have to, all the great religions you know, the life-affirming religions say, treat each other as you would treat yourself, because they are you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We have a very interesting question in the chat room. Somebody is asking about the future. What about the future? And um, I would like to say that when I'm reading for people, when I give people a reading, I'm not controlling the reading, and I'm not trying to control it. Um, I set the intention of serving the person's highest good and then just trust that the information will serve, will do just that. Um, Sometimes the future does come through. It depends on what will serve that person's highest good. Now, so I know that we can sometimes peek into possible futures, and I'm going to say possible because I think of it as the probability of what's going to be happening to you or what, what's going to be around you based on the energy you've already put out, based on the motion, the the events that you have already put into motion. But let me ask you, Steve, what is your opinion of that? This person is interested in knowing about the future. Is that information also available through remote viewing? That information is available through remote viewing, as well as other methods that you just mentioned. Um, and the future uh, is not set, like in a film, you know, like in a, a movie. When you see the movie, the future has been set before someone, uh, and that's it. It's cast in stone. Um, and that's not true. The future is as fluid as anything else. And the future can be changed in the present. One of the impediments that we have as, as humans is that we're, we've been taught to think in terms of linear time. And in fact, that is a, an illusion. Time is, in fact, not linear. That's a hard concept to wrap your head around. Um, 
it, it's not linear. It's actually spherical. Okay, and we're not going to get into the whole quantum mechanic thing, but can you see the future? Um, the short answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, you can see the future. However, if you take certain actions, if you're acting correctly and you have the right concept and you know what lies ahead, because of like you just said, you know, oh well, I guess if I if I stop, uh, you know, acting uh, promiscuously and chain smoking, that I probably won't die of lung cancer and AIDS, you know. Um, so you knock it off, and then you come back after a year, and you have another reading, and the future reading has changed because you were given the roadmap of the reading. That's just a roadmap. Where should I turn left? It's like GPS. Um, and, yeah, if you have a rock in front of you. If you keep going this way, you're going to hit it. Mm-hmm. So... You, you have the reading, that's your GPS, the map has been laid before you, now the decision is yours. Yeah, exactly. You turn, you turn, and then you don't hit the rock. So, I mean, you use it to know what you should do. Should I um, change what I'm doing? Should I stay on my current course? That's what people want to know. They don't want to know if they're going to die. They know they're going to die. They want to know if they're going to die this week, you know. That's what they want to know. Can you see the future? What I do see for the future overall and what's been kind of in my face a lot lately is that the future, if we continue the way we're going, um, socioeconomically and politically, ultimately I see a good thing overall. I see a an optimistic, positive thing because people are starting to figure out all we have is each other and it's all we've ever had. And that everything else has been an illusion. All the materialism has been an illusion. And by that, I mean you need a place to stay warm. You need a comfortable chair to sit in. You need to be able to keep in touch with the world. So you need to buy a TV, and you need to buy furniture, and you need to have food. And But buy local food. You know, you don't need a Lexus SUV when another car will do just as well. You know, this whole materialism, this orgy of materialism, and we're experiencing it now during these, these holidays season. That's the wrong way. When you do need some things, it's okay to be a little selfish because you're living in the physical realm. But don't overdo it. It's the thing. And we're starting to figure out that those things are unimportant. What's always been important is us and our spirituality. And to to help and accept one another and not fight with one another. And you're seeing the old paradigm of control and power and profit and subjugation losing its grip because it's bound to lose its grip and they're spasming by becoming more violent. And that's I see that in the future as a major aspect of what we're about to see, but I see also this great wave of everyone looking around going, this is a bunch of BS. Why aren't we tired of this already? And that new age, and I hate to use that phrase, but that, that the dying of the Piscean Age, the last 2,600 years of the Age of Pisces, is now giving away, and it's it's being replaced by the Age of Aquarius, which is much more hopeful. And I think you're starting to see that manifest with all these people waking up around the world going, no more, we're done playing, we're going to do this so that we help each other and care for each other. Just like the, just like, uh, was it the, the Libyans or the Egyptians that got this huge shipment of U.S. shipped um, uh, tear gas, and um, they refused to sign for it. <laughs> no, I absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we're we're seeing this on every level right now. And as a matter of fact, uh, currents is going to be shifting its focus, and we're going to be focusing exclusively on what's right with the world um, in the coming year, in the year of 2012. That's uh, we're going to be talking about that some more. But I think you're absolutely right about that. But we're now down to the last. 10 minutes of the show. Oh, somebody had just called in from California and they gave up. Um, but we do have a caller here who has a question. So shall we do that? I'm going to ask him to keep the question short because we're down to the last 10 minutes and, and we still have so much to talk about. We've barely scratched the surface, surface of this fascinating topic. But let's bring this person on. This is Sonia. She's been holding for 31 minutes. Wow. <laughs> yes. She's she hung in there when Pennsylvania hung up and California hung up. Sonia's still there. Hi, Sonia. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. It's a wonderful uh, radio show. Very Thank interesting. You. I do have a personal question, but before my personal question, 
question. Uh, the question I have is um, regarding parallel timelines and parallel universe. Um, have you had any experience with your remote viewing? Uh, and how does that impact your remote viewing if you did Great have experience? Great question. Great question, Sonia. Can you uh, okay. can you repeat the question for me? Because I parallel don't timelines. Well. She's asking about parallel timelines, parallel realities. How oh, does yeah, that yeah. play into re- remote viewing? <laughs> can you say that in in uh, you know fifty words or less? <laughs> sure, I can. Um, well, parallel <laughs> timelines. Um, that's been proven mathematically as well. So that's a re- that's a reality. There are many realities, and it's not a universe. It's a multiverse. So we have different universes, as it were, all happening at the same time. And this goes back to what I said about time not being linear. It is spherical. Everything is spherical, period. As above, so below, within, without. Everything has to do with closed form, spherical or roughly spherical form, including time. And um, what they... And there are some people that will say, you know, well, it's just a crock because I know that. And well, you know, we have to forget what we know. And we have to go with what we feel. And time not being linear, parallel timelines can very often be seen and come through, as it were, and you can see what um, dimensionally, and this is a shift in dimension, um, you can see what, in fact, is happening on a different timeline. You can shift dimension. You can shift your timeline from the one you, we are all in at, on this three-way phone conversation and in this life. If you shift your consciousness and you shift your behavior enough, you end up on a different timeline. You end up going, oh, well, this ends up like this now, as opposed to it was going to end up this way. Now it's going to end up this way. And some would say, well, that's just still your your life. It is. They're all your life. Mm-hmm how you determine, how you decide you're going to have it go and how you work toward that end, you know, to making change, mm-hmm. making, uh, affecting needed change. That's what every practitioner of magic, and by magic I mean real magic, knows that needed change is the key and you can make things happen and shift your reality and literally create your own reality. And what that means is shifting dimension and moving to a different timeline. So, yes. Do I see that? I can see yeah. that, and that is real. Okay, that's really good. Yeah, that's absolutely. I, I think that um, you know, there's there are all of these realities, so many layers of reality that are all simultaneous, that are all existing right now, right here, and it's like shifting the the lens in your glasses, shifting your perspective just a tiny bit, but it makes a huge difference if you can envision where you want to be, what you want your life to be, and envision it clearly, you can actually move into that. And I'm talking about actually moving into another reality, pulling that reality to you or pulling yourself into that reality and making it real. And again, as Steve's talking about magic, that's exactly what people would think of as magic. But it, and it is, it is. I think everything is magical. But but it's also real. You can actually help to create the life you want by envisioning it, imagining it, thinking about it. You're powering it up. You're making it happen. That's the law of attraction. That's how you know, it works, Magic yeah. is going to die. Did you know that? No, <laughs> never, never. It's going to be... Uh, well, there are so many I mean, amazing things. When, when we say magic, what we're talking about is science as yet unnamed. Yes. And as as science catches up more and more and, and starts to put down its its um, superiority complex and start to look at thinking outside the box more and realizing that you can quantify more and more about what the old wise women had always talked about um, and changing the phrases and changing the way we name things and and quantifying how it works on a molecular level and on a physical level and so on and seeing, oh, scientifically, we can can figure out what they were doing. Now, all of a sudden, it's science. It's no longer, quote, unquote, magic. Mm -hmm. So magic will die because we'll suddenly start to quantify everything that's been done and we'll realize just how wise they were. Uh, And I think it's scary to say that it will die. It won't really die. We'll just we'll just know what to call it. And so I think 
that day is, is we're approaching that day. We may not see it in this lifetime, but we're certainly moving in that direction. Okay. Well, yes. I think the more that we know, the more we're going to, the more mystery our brains are going to be able to hold. I don't believe magic will ever die because there'll always be something out of our grasp, something beyond us, something that we don't understand. Uh, you know, as we grow and learn, we'll just get deeper into the mystery of it all. You should be uh, right. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling, Sonia. I, I really got to ask a personal question. Or oh, yeah, question? sure. Go ahead. Okay, well, we're down to four minutes, so make it quick. Okay, very quick. Um, in this timeline, what do you see as a spiritual growth happening for me? Hmm. Well, you already envision it. And remember that. I'm seeing what you see. You already envision it. That means it's real, because if you can see it, it exists somewhere, and that somewhere is something within your grasp of your consciousness. You're already seeing it. So therefore, like what she had just said, mm-hmm. you have to stop thinking, oh, if only, oh, I wish. Well, you already see it. So stop saying that you'd like to and just do it. Move through it. Move into it. Allow it to come to you. And allow it, you know, and gratitude and forgiveness are key. Yes. Uh, when you don't beat yourself up about something, you know, I could have been like this, or if only I'd done this with my life, if only I hadn't done this to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's not getting you anywhere. Um, you stop it and just move toward what you see as your heightened spirituality and do what you can to help people. Even if it's the people that you think you've slighted or that you think you've harmed, if it's possible to help them, then do so. And if not, it's their path, and it's your path, and you have to move forward. You can't stay where you are, and your spirituality is telling you that, and it's telling you, here I am. Come, come, let's do it. And you see it already, so just move into it. Okay. Yeah, because, and also it's like how we were talking about timeline, right? This was one experience that we needed to have in this timeline to move forward. So, thank you. Well, thanks so much, Sonia. Thanks for your great questions and great perceptions. Yeah, Uh, we're having great um, feedback tonight, great um, participation. It's wonderful, wonderful questions, intelligent people listening in and commenting and asking questions. I love this. This is is the reason I love radio. It's exactly this. Yep. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. These are the people of our future. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, somebody just wrote, Steve is so right. If you think it, you can create it. That's real power. That's magic. And then I, I agree. That's absolutely right. So we're down to the last minute of the show. So let me thank you, Steve. And again, we just scratched the surface. I've got so many more things I wanted to talk about with you. And we just didn't get to them because it's such a fascinating topic. There's so much to talk about. But thanks so much for calling in. Uh, your website is ForbiddenAmerica.com. Org.com. Yes, dot yeah. com. ForbiddenAmerica.com. And you do a radio show um, on here on Blog Talk Radio. I believe yes. you're planning to expand the show in the coming year. Yeah, we're looking at maybe um, as early as this week for going from a half an hour to an hour. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, you could come on as a guest sometime. We'd love to have you. Oh, I'd I'd be happy to. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'd be very happy to. So thank you so much. We're down to less than a minute now. So um, I hope everybody has enjoyed tonight's show. I think so. There's been a lot of participation. I think people are really interested in this topic. I know I have a lot more questions we never got to, but maybe that's for another time. I just want to mention to people that next week, Helen Barrett, the White Witch of the Isles, will be calling in from Ireland. She lives in Cove, which is south of Cork in the southern uh, southern coast of Ireland. She's a fascinating woman. She and collaborators have written a book, um, a fascinating book, about ancient archives. And she's going to be calling in and talking about this, uh, the ancient archives that she has intuited. There's an awful lot to that, and Helen is a fascinating person, so I hope that you'll uh, tune in for that. Thanks again, Steve. It was a great conversation. And um, everybody, big changes coming to the show. We'll be talking about it as it gets closer. At the end of the month, everything's going to change. 
just as 2012 moves in, as that energy moves in. So stick with us. Love to you all. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Good night.